from investments to fundraising, there is little in the private equity world left untouched by the ESG revolution. But what about the choice of fund domicile? And how are investors scrutinizing the governance part of ESG? We discuss all this and more with returning guest Elliot Refson from Jersey Finance in this latest episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a new episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. I'm Greg Gilles, the editor of Unquote, and I will be your host today. This week's episode is brought to you by Jersey Finance. Funded by members of the local finance industry and the government of Jersey, the not-for-profit organization works to represent the interest of its 160 member firms, encourage best practice, and help the local industry develop. It has now become tradition for the pod to regularly catch up with Elliot Refson, head of funds at Jersey Finance, uh, to see how the jurisdiction is responding to key industry development. We've got a very exciting episode for you today. Um, Elliot has had a long and varied career across the world and eventually rejoined Jersey Finance in 2014 to work with the funds industry from the perspective of strategy, direction and execution. Elliot, a pleasure to have you back on the podcast, uh, fully refreshed, I hope, after a nice summer. Very much a pleasure to be here, Greg. Lovely. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, so as I said, a uh, very, uh, very exciting episode today because we, we are going to talk about a theme that is obviously been so central to, to private equity in uh, and, and finance in general in, in recent years. It's no secret that ESG has been a driving force behind sweeping changes uh, in the investment world. And private equity has been at the forefront of that, really. There's been massive visibility and massive progress when it comes to the implementation of ESG, from fundraising to investment strategies, reporting, and much more. It's very, it's obviously a very broad topic. So perhaps to sort of frame the conversation a little bit, Elliot, how, how are you seeing this trend from a Jersey perspective? Uh, as you say, Greg, um, ESG has come to the fore over recent years and is growing exponentially in significance. Um, in a recent survey that we commissioned, uh, 100% of the investors survey, as well as 61% of the managers and their advisors, noted that ESG criteria will play an increasing role in fund domiciliation decisions. So it's clear, therefore, that this accelerating trend towards ESG is being driven by investors and that their fund managers are responding accordingly. So the trend is filtering through to the ecosystem that supports the industry. I think that anyone who thinks that this trend is a fad is completely wrong. It is real and it is tangible. And it cannot be ignored because it is clearly being driven by the most powerful camp in the investment universe, which is the investors. But, but there is a question um, as to what the exact definition of ESG is in this context. And to my mind, and simply put, it is making a lasting positive impact either as a byproduct of investments or as a primary focus of the investment. It is a mindset. What that good is and how that mindset is defined is within the remit of each and every investor. The area of ESG is hugely important, not just because the market for it is growing exponentially, with the demand for it, and Deutsche Bank, um, for example, expect that ESG assets are likely to increase to surpass 100 trillion by 2028, with both Bloomberg and PwC making similar forecasts. These forecasts imply that ESG will permeate 
all areas of alternatives and further will become a key aspect of mainstream investment management. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I like that focus uh, on the demand aspect of it that you have with you know it being driven by investors in the first place. And as we know, private equity has always been very tuned to that and, and quick to capitalize on opportunity uh, and therefore the, the, the boom that we've seen in ways that they've responded to it. Uh, but it's not just LPs on, on one end and, and managers in the, uh, on the other end in, in the equation, I, I think. It's now a whole ecosystem that is building around the ESG and that, that will encompass advisors and, and everything around it. What do you see as the role of uh, an international finance center like Jersey in, in that context? Uh, in supporting ESG, the role of the ISC is more than just regulation. It is to respect the mindset I mentioned earlier and to cater to it in a holistic way to provide an environment where it is embedded across all sectors of society and not simply treated as a product or service line. And this is exactly what we're doing in Jersey through a culmination of stratagem based on the work of our government uh, with the recent disclosure requirements that our regulator, the um, Jersey Financial Services Commission, has implemented to address the risk of greenwashing, as well as the Jersey for Good project led by Jersey Finance, uh, this sets out a two-year plan to accelerate our journey to a sustainable future leading up to 2030. And all of these initiatives are underpinned by the Jersey for a Wilder World programme, which allows us to start the conversation and to make a positive impact. At the same time, it is a historical fact that asset classes congregate in jurisdictions. And I do believe that there is an opportunity for a single jurisdiction to come to the fore in the ESG space. And further, I believe that based on our holistic and joined up approach, as well as our wider message of political and fiscal stability, which we've discussed on previous podcasts, um, and because of that, the degree of certainty that we offer in an uncertain world, that that jurisdiction will be Jersey. Absolutely. Um, and, and now just um, moving on a little bit from uh, perhaps the, the ENDS of ESG, which uh, it seems at a time much of the spotlight is on that. Um, well, the, the G part of it is still in the background a little bit, especially when it comes to private equity zone operations. Uh, but the rise of ESG investing is one of the factors that are currently reshaping the fund governance landscape as well, among other things. Um, so let, let's turn out to how Jersey is approaching that issue. Uh, and, and Jersey Finance uh, worked with IFI Global, if I'm not mistaken, to produce new research uh, exploring how approaches to fund governance are shifting among international investors in the post-pandemic era. Now, I thought it was a really interesting read. Uh, in fact, I'd urge our listeners to, to go and check it out. Uh, but perhaps, Leo, you can tell us a bit more about the idea behind commissioning the research, uh, the scope of it, and, and what the main findings were. Absolutely. Um, the idea behind the research was to build on an earlier ESG research report in the belief that we are in the early stages of a journey that will certainly see the E, the S and the G areas split out. I mean, they are fundamentally completely different things. As a jurisdiction, I don't think that we promote our credentials in governance and specifically substance enough um, and set out to understand the area more. As far as the findings of the report go, it clearly shows that the demand for fund governance is inversely proportional to the strength of financial markets. The stronger the market, the less focus there is on board governance, and it fluctuates over time. And I think that this is human nature. 
But within that, the key takeaway of the reports are two things. Firstly, that there is an increasing demand for board directors to have specific portfolio management or industry experience in the underlying strategy. And secondly, for them to be independent and to have time limits imposed on them. And these two factors play into our strengths in Jersey. Here we have um, deep and broad practical expertise within the 14,000 people who work in the finance industry. And there are few, if any, other jurisdictions that are able to compete with this. More widely, the report is very akin to a similar one um, IFI conducted in 2016, with the added interest in the question around whether ESG considerations will have an impact on fund governance, to which 54% of respondees said yes. That particular question was not asked in 2016, but I suspect that the affirmative number would have been far lower, and indeed that it would be far higher in years to come. Hmm. And um, and obviously you mentioned earlier that it's uh, inversely proportional to the maturity of, of the markets that we're looking at. But were you surprised perhaps at some of the findings? So one that I was taken aback by was that the fairly high proportion of investors that mentioned that governance, in, in other words, governance is useful, but not all that important. Uh, were, you, were you surprised by that? Well, um, firstly, I, I, I referred to the um, strength of markets rather than the maturity. Yes, um, yeah, but I, but I think that the, um, the the governance is useful, but not that important comment needs to be taken in context. Mm. Um, and that part of the response highlighted that if investors have an issue with a manager, um, you know, uh, investment or performance, they will approach a, they will approach the manager rather than the board directly to address those issues. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and um, just um, to. Do you see, and I think again, you, you mentioned that it's uh, you would have expected very different responses uh, just a few years ago. Uh, do you see that attitude from investors changing when it comes to governance? Do you see a meaningful difference in how investors are approaching governance compared to, say, five years ago? And, and where do you think the industry is now heading, especially in the post-pandemic era? Uh, I, I do see change uh, on the basis that 81% um, of respondents uh, would like to see more transparency including specifically in the director selection process and board composition to be made publicly available. And I think with that will come a greater understanding of the role of governance, which will lead to a shift in attitudes. Um, and of course, I mentioned earlier, there's an inverse relationship between market strength and the demand for fund governance. And in the post-pandemic era, markets have been very strong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, perhaps uh, as a parting question, a bit, a bit more specifically, because that, that was one of the, the aspects that were brought in the research as well, uh, I wanted to ask you what Jersey is doing to facilitate greater diversity uh, in general uh, within the industry, but uh, on boards of funds in particular, but funds that are domiciled there. From a macro perspective, it's important to also recognise that improving diversity in the workplace is not just about tackling gender imbalance. It is about all employees feeling respected, appreciated, and valued, regardless of their individual differences. One challenge for the financial services industry in Jersey, in terms of encouraging a diverse workforce, is sourcing and attracting local talent. 
We continue to work with our partners to engage young people, students, school leavers, and upcoming professionals to grow our local talent pool. Turning specifically to fund boards, similarly, they need to be able to see with many different eyes and viewpoints to see all opportunities and risks in a rapidly evolving world. Diversity of ethnicity, age, gender, skills, and background are, are key for them to thrive. As a jurisdiction, we have taken great strides in terms of board diversification, especially gender balance. And whilst we do have further to go, we are emphatically on the right track. Yeah, very interesting. And I remember you mentioning in the, maybe in the previous podcast, in fact, um, the work done with sort of local young people to encourage them into the industry in Jersey as well, which I thought was, uh, was really interesting. Really look forward to seeing how that continues to, to facilitate that transformation. Um, Elliot, I think that's uh, all the time we have, for, we have for today. But thank you again so much for calling in today. Always a pleasure. No, thank, thank you for your time. I've really enjoyed it. And thank you all for tuning in, of course. Uh, remember, you can always find us on onquid.com. But if you don't want to miss new episodes of the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you on the next one. Mm-hmm.